0: If you're going to build a startup and you want it to be successful, you need to solve a problem. And if you're solving a problem, you're solving it for a person. And what better person to solve a problem for than yourself? So many great startups start by solving problems for the founder. And this is exactly what Lachlan's doing with Kashi. Lachlan saw a problem in the mechanic market servicing cars and he went about fixing that problem for himself. And now he's rolling it out to his mechanic friends. Welcome to Fractal Startup Marketing, the podcast for founders who are frustrated that potential customers don't understand or they undervalue your innovative business solutions. My name is Jared Doyle, and each episode, I interview founders who openly discuss how they're tackling the seven P's of startup marketing. In true startup fashion, we aim to learn through collaboration and discussion. Let's get into the episode. So Lachlan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, mate. I've been looking forward to this for a little while.
0: Yeah, we uh, met in real life as sometimes we do in startup land. We don't always chat you know, digitally and online and over LinkedIn and Twitter. Sometimes we actually do this crazy thing and we go to the same place at the same time we meet in person. So it was great to have that chat and tee up this interview. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in and having you explain to everyone more about Cashy. So without wasting too much time, do you want to give us your elevator pitch to Cashy?
1: Yeah, well, Cashy started, I'm actually a qualified mechanic, and I've been a qualified mechanic for about six years. And Cashy started because the auto trade in Australia is a real mess at the moment, or at least in my opinion. So what Cashy does is we put honest, real mechanics in contact, direct contact with vehicle owners. We provide all the in-betweens, all the linking up, and all the liaising. And the mechanic comes to your house, we do the service, we do the repair. And yeah, that's pretty much us. We're we're really just a simple platform that's about honesty and quality.
0: Great, and so there's a couple of key elements in that pitch there that I'd love to break down. And The one that jumps out to me that you said is the problem, right? The problem is what's the problem you're solving? And you said it's a market or an industry that's pretty broken in your opinion at the moment. So what is it, because this is important for the messaging, what is it that's broken in the mechanic industry at the moment that you're trying to fix?
1: Well, for your Australian listeners, at least, you'll probably notice that there's a lot of price bashing. So really, there's three key things. The inconvenience, you're always traveling to a workshop, you've got to leave your car for a day or two there. The lack of honesty and transparency. We did a lot of of research and found that most of our customers, when they came from another workshop, were actually really dissatisfied with the service. And there's always a big price barrier there as well. And that's on both sides. So while the customer is being charged 160 through to on the top end in Brisbane now, over $240 an hour, your average mechanics wage is well and truly under $25. And I noticed that I became qualified last year and straight out the gates and at a really good market rate was getting paid $24 an hour and getting charged to the customer at $175 plus.
0: Right. So your opportunity in the market is the difference between that $24 an hour that you were earning and the $170 that's being charged out. Now, obviously there's some fixed overheads and some costs, etc., insurances. Now, some of those you can't escape, or, you know, you're going to have to have insurance, but I guess what your model is and how you're positioning this is the idea that, well, if it's a mobile mechanic, you don't have the overheads of real estate and, and everything that comes with that. And that's a big part of it. Where else are you getting those where else are the savings? Like other than the actual physical location, is that the bulk of that cost difference? Or for you, is it about removing that middleman out of the, the picture and getting the mechanics straight to the actual customer?
1: Well, it's really interesting. So in a lot of the workshops I worked in, there was actually a number of levels of management just between me and by the time you got to the customer. So there's, there's maybe five or six people being paid for every mechanic in a proper dealership network. So in a workshop of 10 people, there might be six service staff and there might be two parts interpreters and three managers. And then you get up through the chain and that business has still got to make money. Whereas for us, we're really interested in nailing it down to direct communication between customers and mechanics. So we're trying to automate our quoting process. So you get upfront, really clear pricing and you understand what's going to happen. And then once you get to deal with that mechanic, there's no real barriers in between the mechanic and the customer like there is in a, in a normal workshop. It brings our overheads right down and it actually brings our customer satisfaction right up.
0: Right. And you, know, you mentioned at the start that, that trust was one of the other key pillars you know, in what you're doing. So is that transparency that you're focused on to build that trust? The idea that you know, quoting in advance, but also explaining exactly what's been done. Is that the main focus that you've got for building trust in the business?
1: Yeah, we try and do it a couple of different ways. The upfront voting process, that's a massive thing. So I think that's personal annoyance, really. Even I, when I've tried to visit a mechanic in the past, didn't know what I was going to be charged at the end. And that made me a little bit anxious.
0: It feels like you're writing a blank check, doesn't it? It's like, here's my car and keys. You're going to do some work and come back. And at the end, you're going to tell me how much it's going to cost me.
1: Yeah, well, the real disaster is I took my car. I've got a fairly new car. And I took my car back for some warranty work through the dealership. The dealership I used to work for, and they still were giving me that blank check kind of thing upfront and really, really poor customer service. I didn't feel like I was getting listened to at all. And that's as a mechanic and for someone who I used to work for.
0: Yeah. And You're sitting there going, I know what's going on here. I know I used to work here and yet I still feel like I'm being taken for a ride. So what does the average Joe punter Feel like, yeah. and then how are they going? So, so speaking of Joe Punter, or a better description of who that, that person is, who are the people that you found that this kind of message really resonates with? Who's that target persona that you're chasing?
1: It's a bit hard to say. There are over 19 and a half million registered vehicles in, in Australia, and there's over 800,000 in Brisbane alone. So, that's where we are. That's Where we're starting, that's where we're starting our operation. Mm -hmm. But we really care about people who have had a bad experience with mechanics, and there's a lot of them out there at the moment. We found that the most common attributes for someone who's had a bad experience with a mechanic are actually females who are maybe 30 to 60 and who've had bad experiences with mechanics in the past. A lot of them feel like they're getting taken for a ride, and I can see why, and a lot of them just don't have time or or the energy to deal with the mechanic shop that they've been dealing with before.
0: Okay, so we've got, I mean, you know, for me as a marketer and what I think about, you know, I'm a big fan of niching down. I'm a big fan of finding that target persona who's, you know, what you present is absolutely perfect too. So, okay, so we've got a female bias more than male. That kind of makes sense. 30 to 60. Why does the age, Why do? You, why do you think the age has an impact on who's actually using the service?
1: It makes a big difference because of where they're at in their life. So the younger people, maybe 18 to 25, they tend to be at university. They tend to be really, really strapped for cash. So our service tends to be a lot cheaper, but there's a limit to how cheap we can make it. So
0: yeah, I can imagine when you describe the business and the cost savings, what I wasn't thinking in my head was that it had to be cheaper than everybody else out there because you're adding, you know, convenience, you're adding trust that to me is more important than price. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting cashy to be cheaper and maybe it is, but I'm not expecting it to be the primary selling mechanism. So, in my head, I'm going, okay, 18-year-old university student, probably, even maybe they're not even paying for their own car <laughs> servicing. My cynical older head on, I'm like, maybe the parents are still paying for the car. But also, they're probably got, I remember uni, you know, you do actually have a bit more free time. So, maybe you can actually, <laughs> you have the time. So, does that mean, conversely, when you talk about that older market, we're we talking about working professional, like busy basically it's people who are time poor. So we're talking either working professional ladies or maybe mums that don't have any time. Is that that time pressure as in the ability to get up and go, oh, I've got to do the school run. Then I've got to drive the car to the mechanic. And then I've got to do, I don't know what for the next four or five <laughs> hours and then come back. So is that is that time pressure an important part of that target persona?
1: Definitely can be. And to be honest, most of our, most of our mechanics are working in the evening anyway. So kind of between 6 and 10 p.m., and that's really great. So you can rock up at home, start cooking your dinner, and our mechanics will show up while you're cooking dinner, do your whole service, and then... Once it's all done, we'll send you a follow-up email and a report the next day. So you don't lose that.
0: I love that. Sorry, I was going to say, mate, I I absolutely love that idea. Like so many businesses all try to conduct business at the same time, like nine to five. Like that's when I do my work. That's when mechanics are going to do it. That's when hairdressers are going to work. The world doesn't work like that. So you found an opportunity to sort of, it's kind of like late night mechanics. It's That's when you're home. That's when you're around. So if your mechanics work in that time period, the customer's happier, and potentially mechanics can put in the extra two or three hours with Cashy and, and actually increase their overall pay packet.
1: Yeah, so that's something that we're really proud to say. Their pay packet through Cashy, they'd only have to do really, really 16 hours a week to earn the equivalent of a full week in a workshop. And that's, that's an amazing thing to me, to give them that flexibility and that level of pay, which they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. So we're getting multiple benefits here, but I love the idea that someone, they can either add to their existing income or as you said, work half a week and get to the same money by cutting out that middleman or a middle person, so to speak.
1: Great. The reason I actually got to that, just a little side note, is because when I was coming up unqualified, I realized that I'd probably never be able to afford a house myself in the current structure. So I've just built it around the idea that mechanics should be paid better and there's a better system in there.
0: Which is your, I guess, your why as a founder, your superpower is the fact that you can say, I'm a mechanic, I've realized what I would want. You've built a product that effectively you would use as a mechanic, which is the great place to go with any kind of startup company, right? It's build it for yourself because you've had the experience, find other people like you, pitch it to them. And I can't imagine it's the hardest sell ever to a mechanic to say, hey, would you like to work half as much to make the same kind of money? That's going to be pretty compelling. But I I love that kind of, mini origin story there for you, which is you know yeah I was a mechanic I looked ahead and went how am I going to afford a house if I continue down this path let's fix the system I think that's brilliant I think that's a well in a 15 word origin story I think you've summed up exactly why you're likely to make this work and somebody from the outside outside of the industry is less likely to make it happen so yeah well done on that
1: yeah thanks
0: mate so when you look at the market now so okay you've got the existing infrastructure existing mechanics like a physical store like in a service station whatever it happens to be so that's part of a market and then you've I'm thinking about your competitors here then you've got dealerships, which represent probably not really a direct competitor, I guess that's the new car market, the warranty market. So that's probably a little bit different. But what other mechanic, have you got other mobile mechanics that are in the industry or mobile mechanic groups that you're competing against? And if you do, how do you separate your service from theirs? Is it based around those core things around trust as well?
1: Yeah. So we've got a lot of competitors. There's a massive market in Australia. The automotive market is massive in Australia and The amount of propagation in there is is huge. You've got dealerships, you've got local workshops, Kmart, Tire and Auto, for example. Massive, massive brand. They've just changed to Micah under new ownership. And the likes of AP Eagers and AHG. I actually used to work for AP Eagers. AP Eagers nowadays is turning over, over $3 billion a year. So they're massive players to deal with, but we talk to all of their customers and we've seen we've lived the experience through them And their customers just aren't happy with the service, especially that target market that we started to talk about. They dread going to a mechanic. They're really looking for someone who's honest and for someone who that they trust to have work on their car. And they're not finding that with the dealerships and with the traditional workshops. The interesting note that you did mention was the warranty. Warranty in Australia is one of the most misunderstood things because most workshops are able to uphold your warranty it really comes down to whether the work required by the logbook is performed and that parts that are used are of equivalent quality to genuine so a big issue with us is actually education
0: right so so my well within warranty Mazda that I take down to Mazda get serviced and to be fair to my local dealership they actually do it they offer an amazing service experience you know it's a bit different because you know they've got the they've got the car they've got the cafe and they've got that kind of service but it's funny like I think about When I say an amazing service. So I get to drive a car in, I get to drive a small Mazda out and I keep it for the day and return it. Great. You know, loan car, but even that convenience isn't as good as you turning up to my house and getting it done. So yeah, look, I love, I love the challenge you've got. I think it's actually, I guess you've got a good opportunity to break that market down through education. I'm just wondering, you've mentioned there a few times around trust and transparency. Do the customers get the same mechanic or, or how do you, like create that trust, you know, is it like an Uber with the star rating system? Do you audit the mechanics? How, how do you continue to build on that? Because it's one thing to say, transparency and quality, but how, how are you building that quality into the system that you've created with Kashi?
1: So that's a really interesting point at the moment. And this is a really cool thing. Every mechanic that has done work for us, I've worked with in the past. So I know their work. I know their work ethic and they wouldn't choose to be in our system if they didn't want to work that extra time and if they didn't enjoy what they do. So that's the first big thing. The second thing is every time that we conduct a job, I actually follow up with that customer. I want to see how they found it, how the mechanic was. I follow up the day after and I might follow up a few weeks after to make sure that they haven't had anything else pop up with their car, just to make sure that they're happy with our service. They're happy with anything that we may have, may have followed up with them about and that it's that net promoter score. So yep. we want to make sure that everyone enjoys our service, the mechanics, the customers, that's just good business.
0: And how's that? I mean, you don't have to tell me exactly what it is, but are you finding that net promoter score or whether you're doing it formally as a, as a score out of 10 or are you measuring it now? And how are you finding that? And then I guess the follow-on is, is that leading into propagation? Are you finding word of mouth and referrals uh, working for you already?
1: Yeah. So the net promoter score, we don't monitor it as such. We do keep a track of how many, we do keep a track of our rating out of five stars every week. So that's on a similar similar level. Yep. But the propagation, the word of mouth referral, that's how we found that mechanics find business anyway. And that's how we've built our system out. That's what we're focused on. And that's the most important thing for us.
0: And how, so if people want to, are referring, how are you discovering that they're that it is word of mouth? Are people just saying, oh, my mate told me to use you? Or do you have systems in places? You know, do you encourage it? Have you got any mechanisms built around that? Or is it more just each time you get to a new customer, you ask them, how did you hear about us?
1: Well, we've just implemented a referral system on our website. So if you have someone, one of our mechanics, say Ash or Jeremy, come to your house, you can then pass their name on to a friend or family member, just anyone you like. And they can use that that name for a 10% discount. That's one big, interesting way to measure it. But every time I get the opportunity to, I will ask one of our customers, you know, how'd you find us? You know, did I talk to you beforehand? Were you at an event? Was it a friend or family member? Just things like that. And that is an easy way to find out. It's not the most elegant system, but simplicity can sometimes be better than, than elegance.
0: Well, I think at this stage of scale, you can do that and, and systems can come later. But one thing that I often find is people are so quick to implement huge systems without actually having tested the process first. So, you know, in many respects, what you're doing is proving that actually referrals are going to be part of your marketing mix. And if it is part of it, you can build a system later. You can always systematize something in the future, but, you know, spending the money now creating a system if, you know, and you haven't proven it works, well, it's probably not the smartest idea. So so that's fantastic. Outside of referrals, have you tested other types of marketing? You found some things that work, some things that you've tried that you absolutely hated or you lost money on? What what, what have you been dabbling with in terms of driving new
1: clients through to to the business? Well, as with everyone. Actually, before we start on that, I want to say something more about the, the systems, because I was just like every other startup founder, right? I wanted massive, massive systems. I wanted to spend all my money, have a perfect app, yada, 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 before we started having customers. And I realized that just wasn't possible. It's too expensive. And coming out of the background that I come out of with no money and just a really hands-on kind of experience. I just started building whatever I can, whatever system I could afford or whatever system I could build myself to start measuring, to start doing the actual work, to have that revenue come through and to start monitoring how we could best best look after our customers.
0: Right. So the advice you're giving there is do the minimum, see what works and build a system later because you could blow a whole lot of money trying to build the perfect app in how you imagine people are going to react only to discover that their interaction is completely different. And so your advice is, you know, grind away, don't blow lots of money and, or investment, whatever it happens to be, building systems and processes and skins and apps and websites until you've actually got it running. So sort of start minimum, the classic MVP, and then and build up the systems as you need it, as you break stuff, as you grow. Is that, yeah. is that a good summary?
1: <laughs> That's pretty much it. And that actually follows over onto a kind of advertising strategy at the moment as well. We're trying to build a small Instagram following, a small Facebook following, just like everyone else will. But we're just implementing new different campaigns as and when we can see them working and just testing them as we go. And we don't view Facebook or Instagram or even really Google so much, or Google a little bit, but we don't view Facebook and Instagram as ways to land a customer, but we view, view it as a way to like propagate that person's mind. We want to be in that person's head when they start looking for a mechanic.
0: Yeah, I mean, so there's an interesting point, right? You, I don't remember my car needs servicing until I happen to either glance up at a sticker or my car starts flashing at me. So I'm not always in the market for a mechanic. My car's not always due to be serviced. So I guess if I can summarize what you were describing there, Google potentially, and referrals as a way to find net new attention. So people searching for business and searching for a mechanic, okay, that's great. But you're gonna get a lot of the people that hit your site, Whatever it happens to be, and you're using the social networks just to remain top of mind, so that either a) they don't forget that they've used you and they book again, or b) they're thinking I must remember to use Cashy next time, but I don't know, I don't need a service for another ten thousand Ks. And so you've broken the channels up into different purposes in your like it's 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 like a funnel, right? So yeah, so using Facebook and Instagram for that kind of top of mind awareness, reminding re engagement, but you're using. Google and referrals to drive the net people in. So I love the system. How have you found, because Google's a bit different, right? Social media is like a different marketplace, but Google, it's a straight out gun shoot, right? It's how much you can pay per click. Yes, you've got to optimize ads and landing pages and click-through rates, but a lot of it comes down to how much you're willing to pay. Are you finding it difficult to being small and bidding for those terms that you're going to be up against, the big holding groups?
1: A little bit yes and a little bit no. We're actually pretty lucky in the sense that we picked an unusual name, Cashy, it's based off the, the idea of cash jobs that mechanics would do to support themselves anyway. Just changed it up a little bit along the way. So it's Cashy with a K and with a Y on the end. So we've got a really unusual name. That's the first thing. We're one of the few people in our small area who, when we started, actually was a mechanics shop. And then going from there, we're trying to target little words which will lend us more clicks. So things like if you might have a someone who needs a tow truck, then we might say, hey, don't use a tow truck. Use Cashy."
0: Right. Okay. And at the moment, you're in an experimentation phase where you're just trying lots of different keywords, add copy to see what, what's going to drive people through and what might convert for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's exactly where we're at.
0: Great. So- One of the things I wanted to touch on and chat with you about just quickly was I know that you've just finished an accelerator here in Brisbane and accelerators and startup accelerators are one of the things that so many founders think about. Joining, using, you know, it's always that question mark. I was just wondering if you could, you know, in retrospect, looking back over your experience over the past, I think it's been twelve weeks or whatever it is, I was wondering if you can sort of talk a bit about that experience of joining the accelerator, what it was like going in, what you've learned, the value you've got out of it or not got out of it, and and share some of those thoughts. Now you've had a couple of weeks or a week to think about, you know, post accelerator, whether it was worth it and and what you got out of it.
1: Yeah. So there's actually been two massive influences in Cashey's lifespan. The first one was actually where I met you. It's an event called CrowdRound. Really cool, little unconference. At the time, I was a, I was just an apprentice. I, I had no idea. I didn't even think I was meant to be there. And
0: <laughs> I think I remember you actually saying that publicly. <laughs> I think when the introduction, said, I didn't even know I'm supposed to be here. And everyone kind of laughed because like, yeah, an unconference with CrowdRound or an unconference event is for everybody. But yeah, I love, I love your honesty. That's awesome. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Kashi kind of formed because of that on conference. I started talking to people who had done startup businesses before, who had seen an issue in something that they cared about and were trying to work towards it. And I started to accumulate the knowledge that I'd been gathering without realizing and with the idea of becoming a service manager one day. I started accumulating that knowledge and began cashy out of that. And then the accelerator, Bluebox, another massive turning point. Because I went into that again thinking, geez, I don't know if I was really meant to be here. I don't know if I was meant to be picked for this. And just 12 weeks of every week being roasted over and over again by Yutam and Joey. Two great guys. And if you get a chance to meet them, just ask them any question you can. But week after week being roasted by them. And then why are you doing this? Why haven't you done this? And then implementing those those changes that they wanted to see. Even in the first week, they want us to completely tear down our website and just build it again. And they were like, yeah, I want to see it launched by the weekend at 3 p.m. on a Friday afternoon.
0: I love that. It's it's so often you just need someone to be a butt kicker, right? You just need someone to turn up and say, hey, there's no real reason why you can't go live now. Pull the trigger, change that, go out, find some customers. It's as much about coaching and encouragement as it is Is it is the skills. It's not always about new solutions and new ideas. Sometimes it's just having someone to tell you, just, you know, don't hold back, do it, jump, (laughs) have a go. So I I love that that's one of the key things you took out of it.
1: Yeah. And being a startup is just a huge experiment. It's an experiment in finding who will actually use your product and an experiment in seeing whether it's viable. And Joey and your Thumb, they encourage that experimentation. That's one of the biggest things that I got out of that. And I think that'd be fairly true across the board with the cohort from this year's blue box. And sadly, it's the last blue box for the moment.
0: Well, yeah, accelerators are just so important to an ecosystem. and, And we think about our Brisbane ecosystem, we're a little bit short on accelerators now because we've lost a couple this year. So you never know what might happen in the future. Someone will step up, I'm sure. But look, I love accelerators. I think they do what they say on the tin, right? To quote a classic advertising line, which is they accelerate you. They push you to go faster. And I think procrastination is one of the things that holds most founders back is there's always something else you can do something else you can change something else you want to think about without actually pulling the trigger jumping out getting some customers and just trying it and i think you know the way you've described the business which is get out there get the minimum i need from a technology point of view going and just start scaling the business i think that's i think it's a great approach and not just a great approach to find out if it's going to work but the way you're approaching it is you've got revenue in your business from day one well you know near about day one right so you're not it's not a magical business where you hope at some point you're going to generate revenue in two or three years time you're out there actually providing work and earning money so it's not a complete all-in bet on a startup you've actually got a genuine baseline of revenue as well so look i love your approach if there's people who are listening to this podcast and they're like actually i kind of like what lucky's saying how do they where should they go to find you find cashy what's what's the best ways to engage with you
1: well, Cashy is, is simple. It's au. I've got a LinkedIn. I'm sure Gerard's going to link that up underneath. And really, if you want to find me LinkedIn, Facebook, I'm young enough that I'm on everything and easily contactable. <laughs>
0: okay. Are you young enough to, to be on TikTok as well?
1: No, but if Gary Vee has anything to say, we'll be on it soon.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if people are wanting to try out Cashy, what's the. Do they need to be. I guess the thing is, it's got to be, got to remember that cash is there or their cars could be coming up for a service. But is there a, a newsletter or somewhere that they can, you know, sign up or is it something that they can do now to, to sort of remember that you exist in a, in a week or a month's time?
1: Yeah, just following us on Instagram. We post on there twice a week. So it's easy enough. You'll find a, a reminder that suits you at the time. And then we'd also, we'd love to offer the fractal listeners just a bit of a discount. So if you come back to this podcast at any time, the discount code we'll put up is Fractal. We'll call it 10%. And that's just because, like, I've been listening to the podcast and I'm sure everyone else is enjoying it. So we'd like to encourage people to come back here as well.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much. That's really kind of you to say and, and to give to people who listen. So I will endeavor to remember to put that little code in the show notes. So if you're looking on your phone, you should be able to flick up and see it. Stick it in there. Try out Cashy. Support Lachlan and and experience what a transparent mechanic life might be like. So Lachlan, thank you so much for your time. Look, I've loved chatting with you. I've loved watching the journey of Cashy so far. And I'm just really excited in the hope that you will first of all, be a success for you, but also bring some transparency to a rather opaque and kind of not so transparent industry. So thanks for what you're doing. Good luck. And thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, mate. I've been looking forward to it for months.
0: (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.